The Florida Gators had their play calling issues, but let's get a few things clear about those here today on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being Locked On Gators, your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code Lockdown College for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen. As I mentioned, uh, we're talking about this Utah game again because, well... It's what just happened, and, and it was it was an ugly one. I'm not going to pretend that it was a super fun game. It was great to have football back, and then it sucked really quickly after that. Um, but I've seen quite a few Florida Gators fans as online, social media, boards, whatever, even in, in my own YouTube comments. So kind, so kind of you. Complaining about offensive play calling, and that's what we're going to talk about all day today because that's offensive play calling and that's fair to complain however the complaints that i'm seeing aren't super accurate because i keep hearing like it's the same stuff we saw last year offensively and it's pretty clearly not okay this was very different play calling I think Napier needs to go back to some of his play calling that worked from last year. Like, like he even admitted in his press conference yesterday, hey, I need to force the run more. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. What I wanted to talk about was the ability or, or the, I, I want to say just getting the ball in your playmaker's hands. Because that was an issue last year, partially because Florida didn't have a ton of playmakers. And like that's one of the reasons Graham Mertz had 44 pass attempts was him just getting the ball to playmakers. You look at we'll say Eugene Wilson the third. Whenever he touched the ball, it was dynamite. Like even if it went nowhere, when Eugene Wilson the third touched the football, you thought, oh, he might. And that's when you know you have a a, a dynamic playmaker. When you have a guy who once he touches the ball, you're thinking this could be a big play. Congratulations. You've got some dynamic football maker. You got some dynamic football players on your roster. Okay? We saw an end around. We saw coming out in the same set that the end around came from and then kind of doing some similar pre-snap stuff. It's all about making the opponent think about it. Like like that's the big thing with play calling that I think a lot of people don't understand or not even don't understand, just don't want to consider a lot about play calling is setting tendencies and then breaking those tendencies, creating tendencies and then breaking those tendencies. So 
the end around came out of whatever they call that formation. When you come out and again, there's going to be players and coaches on the defense that are like, are they doing it again? And that's how you then run the fake end around that you turn into a deep ball and stuff like that, where we haven't seen that yet, but you do it early on because you're creating a tendency and then you break out a fake and and you do things like that. Last year, we didn't see an end around until week five. And then we didn't see it again until what week nine. The first time we saw it was week five versus Eastern Washington and like week nine ish versus Texas A&M. That's it. That was the that was the end around story for the Florida Gators in 2022. Now you have Eugene Wilson the third, who you ran it with. You have multiple players you can run the end around with, and that makes Florida threatening with playmakers. Like you know how we know Florida has better playmakers in 2023 than they had in 2022. Look at the screen game, and again, I understand. People hated the screens last year. Florida almost doubled their amount in one game. I get it. Okay? That's inherently different play calling. You might hate the screen call, but different play calling. Okay? And you could just look at 2022, Anthony Richardson threw screens on 10.8% of his pass attempts. 10.8%, so basically 11%. On Thursday... Graham Mertz threw screens on 23.5% of his attempts. More than double. Okay? On those screens, Anthony Richardson averaged 3.9 yards per attempt. Okay? Graham Mertz averaged 6.1 yards per attempt. Like, I, And I understand, that's a season sample size versus a single game sample size. So, yeah, that number might change, or that number probably will change. Might shrink, probably going to shrink. Might grow. Might grow. Because, again, you could have those big dynamic plays when you have dynamic playmakers. The point is, the difference here isn't the quarterback. It's not going from Anthony Richardson to Graham Mertz made your screen game that much more effective. I mean, Anthony Richardson completed 80% of his screens Graham Mertz completed 83% of his screen games, of his uh, screen attempts. So it's not, oh, we were all of a sudden completing more screens and then getting more yards, and that's how we have more yards per attempt. No, it's a very minimal difference there. Almost double the yards per catch or yards per attempt, but minimal difference in terms of completions there, or completion percentage. It's not that there's a huge difference in who's... In, in terms of which position is catching those screens, a lot of it's still just the wide receivers. Then there are running back screens, really, but a lot of it's the wide receiver. Okay? That means the big difference there, two things. One, these receivers are more dynamic, and they are able to create more yards after the catch there. And that's a huge selling point if you're Florida. Like, being able to create those yards after the catch, pretty big. Another thing there is not just who's catching the ball and what they're doing with it. A lot of it, in my opinion, at least, a lot of the effectiveness of the screen game there was because of the blocking afterwards. Florida had, what, 333 passing yards. I'm pulling up the numbers here. Florida had 333 passing yards. 196 of them were after the catch. Means 58 
of your passing yards came after the catch. Okay. Last year, Florida had 1,194 yards after the catch. That's 1,194 divided by 2,914, 41%. That's an almost 18% increase in just your yards that are coming after the catch. That's called dynamic playmaking. Okay. And that's what Florida's got this year. And that's why you're you're still going to see those screens. And if you have an issue with seeing screens or end the rounds or jet sweeps or, or little pop passes, get used to it, buddy, because it ain't going away. That's what happens when you have these dynamic playmakers like Eugene Wilson III, when you get Ricky Pearsall involved in them. And it's going to keep happening when you have Jeray Hawkins joining the fold and Isaiah Williams joining the fold. TJ Abrams, it's going to keep happening. So get used to those screens. They are more effective, way more effective this year. And I think part of that needs to go to Billy Gonzalez. Billy Gonzalez, historically, just throughout his career, has developed receivers that are willing and able to block on the outside. That's one of the reasons that he has gotten quite a few receivers who aren't great wide receivers into the NFL and why they stick. They play special teams and they play supporting team football. And that's what that is when you get those screens and the yards after catch there. Things are opening up. I'm not saying Billy Gonzalez is better than Kerry Colbert. I just think when it, terms, when it comes to the screen game, he definitely helps you a lot there. Okay, so yeah, this is getting the ball to your playmakers. If you're going to throw the ball a lot and you're going to treat the passing game like an extension of the run game, that's what the screen game is really. Yeah, it's a pass, but it's an extension of your run game. And if your run game's not working, that's one way to make it kind of, that's one way to, to pick up those yards and easy easy-ish yardage. We are going to talk about that run game, the RPO game, even too. Before I talk about that, though, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Bird Dogs. If you're watching or listening and you haven't worn Bird Dogs yet, shame on you. Bird Dogs, easily the most comfortable shorts I've ever worn and are the most versatile shorts I've ever worn. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look if, if you're if you're a leg day kind of guy, which leg day kind of guy. So yeah, I'm just saying, just saying, enjoy that. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college for a free water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college. And you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thanks again for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Florida Gators need to run the football more, right? I think we can all agree to that. And here's the thing. Because it, it drove me up a wall. I spoke about this post-game on Thursday night. I spoke about this on Friday morning. I spoke about this on yesterday's episode of Locked On Gators. And in pretty much every single one of those episodes, the live stream, the Friday show, the Friday morning show, and yesterday morning show, I mentioned Florida needs to run the ball more. And in almost every one of those comments, in almost every one of those comment sections, there were replies of Utah's got more numbers in the box. Utah's stacking the box. What do you want them to do? Run the ball is what I want them to do. Okay? I fully understand that Utah is stacking the box. Florida Gators have a running back duo that consistently breaks tackles 
and consistently makes men miss. If you don't give them the opportunity to help out on this offense, what the hell is even the point of having them? Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne are fantastic in terms of creating yards after contact, making a men miss. Billy Napier acknowledged we need to run the football. Even if they're stacking the box, we need to at least attempt to run the football. And here's another thing for why I hate the stacking the box argument. Billy Napier loves to operate out of the pistol set, okay? Running back behind the quarterback. If you're coming out in shotgun and, you know, uh, we'll say Montreal Johnson's to the right of Graham Mertz, stacking the box defensively on the left side because if you're running, odds are you're going there. I, I understand that more. When the running back's behind the quarterback, you have a tight end on the field somewhere. If, let's say there's five offensive linemen, one tight end, quarterback, running back. Let's say Utah puts seven guys in the box, okay? They're going to have probably three on each side and an extra box defender on the side that has a tight end. That means that if you have your center, left guard, and left tackle, occupy one defender on the left side you can run there and that leaves you with an even hat count and Montreal Johnson or Trevor Eaton can pick up yards even if you're not winning all those blocks if you run to the side that has the tight end and also four defenders your center right guard right tackle and tight end because in this scenario they're on the right side they all occupy their blocks and then you run to that side. When the running back is behind the quarterback, you could run to either side. Read the hat count. Go to the side that makes the most sense. If there's eight defenders, then you still go to the side where you have even numbers then. And if they've got five on one side, three on the other, then you especially go to the side that has three because then they have one less defender there in run support. Do you understand this now? Do you understand why the Florida Gators should run the football? You've got Montreal Johnson. You've got Trevor Etienne. Give them the damn football and let them run the rock. Okay, let them do it. Even if you've got even numbers, even if you're down a number, even if they've got you've got a negative hat count, they've got more defenders in the box and in, in the tackle box than you have people willing to block. Sometimes you have to just hand the ball off. And if it's a one-on-one, -on -one, I'm taking Montreal more often than not to at least pick up some yardage after contact, even if it's getting hit and falling forward to pick up something, win the battle a little bit. Because I said this yesterday, the Florida Gators aren't winning football games by throwing the ball a ton. You're not winning football games by throwing the ball 44 times and dropping back 51 times? That's not happening. You need to be able to at least threaten the run. And the only way that you can threaten the run is by running the ball at least a little bit every now and then. Especially when you're a team that wants to run the football. Why you didn't do it because they had more numbers in the box makes no sense to me. And I think they acknowledge that's not something we should do by Billy Napier yesterday saying we should have given them the ball more, even though Utah was stacking the box. Okay, so let's talk about that. The RPO game is a big way that modern offenses get the running game just going because you're running the ball. O-lines run blocking anyway, but you're giving the quarterback an option to keep it and throw it somewhere. We saw it. We saw it with Grammars. We saw it with Anthony Richardson a ton last year as well. You're going to see it a ton with Anthony Richardson and the Colts this year too. 
You saw with Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. You're going to see that. RPO is a big part of football now. We saw Mertz willing to keep it. I, I don't know if it was an RPO or just straight read option, but we saw Graham Mertz in, in the first quarter, I believe it was the first quarter, keep it, pick up five yards in the keeper, and then, yeah, it was the first quarter because he got hurt, and then Kareen Reed, I believe is how the first name's pronounced, was in on the tackle and got injured, and I don't think came back in. We saw Graham Mertz scramble. He's never going to be a great runner. But as long as he shows he's willing to keep the ball and pick up some free yards, then it needs to be an option. Keep the RPO where he has the green light to run if he wants to. Do that. Okay? But the running game has to get involved some way. You have to run the football. I don't need it to be effective every single carry. But if you don't give them the opportunity, they're never going to get into a rhythm. They're never going to get established. You're going to be forced to throw the ball a ton, and you're going to lose a lot of football games, and you're going to lose your job. Run the damn ball. And I, I'm not even like the – I'm not the kind of guy that's like, we need to run the football, smash mouth football. I like the spread game. I, I, I like how that works. I love the RPO. But if you don't even threaten, then just call it a day, big dog, because you've built this team to run the football. And if you're not running the football, then you're mismanaging the talent that you brought in. For quite a few of these guys, you're mismanaging the talent that you brought in. And that doesn't seem like a sustainable practice to win football games and keep your job. So I was, and I'm not saying that Billy Napier should be fired at all. I'm just saying, if you keep bringing in players that you bring in, like run blocking dudes, and then you're just like, we're just going to throw it a ton. Have fun losing. It, it could be different in 2024 when you've got all those weapons. That'll be a true freshman. You got DJ Lagway, who will be a true freshman. It could be different. We'll see if it will be, but that's one hell of a gamble to take if that's what you're shooting for. So if you want to win football games now, you need to run the football. Congratulations. That's I, I, I just, just went into the deepest, darkest part of the dark web to find out the way the Florida Gators can win football games. Running the ball. <clears throat> Who would have ever thought that? Who could have ever conceived that? We're going to talk about still running backs, also tight ends involved in the passing game. Before we do that, football season's about to kick off for the NFL. Two days away. Two days away. FanDuel is giving you money, basically. They're, they're just giving you money, okay? If you sign up for FanDuel and you're a new customer, bet $5 and you get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. All customers, new and old, who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything. Spreads, player props. Let me tell you, I need touchdown scorer props back in my life and i'm glad they're here visit fanduel.com slash locked on kick off the nfl season with an offer you won't want to miss and remember that fanduel is an official partner of the nfl thanks again for making lockdown gators your first listen of the day every day we are available daily and free reviews in the podcast we're going to talk about running backs and tight ends and we saw some changes clearly from this passing attack to involve the running backs and tight ends more. I'm not going to go too into depth on the tight end involvement because I think a lot of that was, I, I, I think more of it was Graham Mertz and his just tendencies and his preferences. I think it was more about that than the play calling itself. 
I think maybe the one play you can argue was drawn, or two plays you can argue were drawn up with the thought process of get the ball to the tight end. One, the fourth and three to Dante Sanders, um, otherwise known as the worst play call, really, ever. Just ever. And I spoke about this yesterday. I understand saying, oh, the execution was bad. The blocking was bad. All he needed was the blocks and he could have got it. Maybe. I don't care about that. Because my issue with it is not that uh, that the blocking was bad. My issue with it is that it was one just one of the worst things I've ever seen. Uh, and two, that you shoveled the ball to your blocking tight end, who's not very athletic, and you were like, hey, take the ball from behind the line of scrimmage and pick up a first down. If the blocking was fine and it worked, it's still bad process. And I mentioned this yesterday. This is just a, a genuine, like, this is a process-oriented coaching staff. That's bad process. So correct it. And what I was looking up before while also talking about that, was the 3rd and 19 play to Tony Livingston. I think was another one of those plays where the idea, the idea, the thought process was get the ball to the tight end. I think it was the Dante Xander's shovel and the underneath pass to Tony Livingston that was basically running a drag. And those were the two plays where the thought process was get the ball to the tight end. Everything else, they were just on the progression and grammar through to them. Okay. When you look at the running backs, they were more involved in the passing game. Even the checkdowns that Graham Mertz threw to the running backs were clear compared to last year that the thought process was, we're trying to get the ball to the running backs in the passing game. Will that happen week after week when they do start running the football? Because it's going to happen. Like They're going to start running the football more because they're going to identify. We need to run the football to win. Will the checkdowns to the running backs remain a part of this? Because obviously your thought process isn't, hey, we're calling this play with the thought, with like the idea of we're going to pass to the running backs on a lot of those. But the running backs were put in clearer spots than they were last year to be catch and run options. Um, you look at the first drive, third down, uh, Montreal Johnson went to the flat. And he kind of just waited there for Grammers to throw the football to him. And it was a bad ball and dropped. But it was clear from the moment the ball was snapped that Montreal Johnson is running a route and Montreal Johnson is involved in the progression here, which I feel like last year, a lot of times when we did see running backs run out and, and be check down options, a lot of them didn't feel like you were really a part of the play. Like a lot of them just didn't come off as that. We saw Montreal Johnson uh, run out for routes on 64% of his passing downs played. Trevor Etienne ran out for 71.4% of his passing downs plays, which last year, I'm just going to see the numbers. This could go either way, honestly. Uh, last year, yikes. Trevor Etienne, 79.2% of his passing down plays. Montreal Johnson, 77.2%. Obviously, they were not targeted frequently. Trevor Etienne had nine catches last year. Montreal Johnson had 16 catches last year. This year, already, 
Montreal Johnson is at three, Trevor Etienne's at four. They're going to be involved in the game more. They're getting put in better opportunities to catch and run as the check down options. That's what they're trying to do now. And again, I don't know if, because Utah was stacking the box and Florida's thought process was, hey, we're going to throw the ball short instead of running the ball, kind of use the short passing game as an extension of our run game, which is weird when you're not really attempting to throw the ball deep. That's an interesting approach to it because a lot of it is, hey, we're trying to open things up under, we're trying to attack underneath to open things up over top. That didn't happen if you're the Florida Gators. I will say with, with the Titans again, just because I, I think that the running backs were put in better position to be involved in the passing game. They were put in better spots to be those check down options. I think tight ends were also put in better spots slightly. I feel like we saw a lot more tight ends running basically just drags underneath. And I think a lot of that was just to give Grammar the option to throw it to them. I think that the Tony Livingston uh, drag, I want to say it was, because he caught it and immediately slipped. And it was a game of like three or four. He's right behind the defensive line. So him picking up those couple yards. You have, uh, I believe Hayden Hansen's catch was also running a drag. It happened a couple times where it's just like, hey, give, give Graham Mertz an easy completion, pick up maybe a couple yards after the catch if you can. So I think that's a big part with running backs and tight ends is just getting them involved in the game more, not forcing them the ball too much in the passing game. And it's about just letting them be options. You could throw screens to them. Like Trevor Eaton had uh, two screens that were like, eh. Montreal Johnson had two screens that were, eh, eh. <laughs> One of them obviously went, went for more yardage there. But a lot of it was just, letting them be involved, which is something we didn't see a ton of last year. Running backs, tight ends, wasn't a big thing. Getting them involved in the screen game is big, not necessarily tight ends too much, maybe Arliss Boardingham, but even then, he's probably going to be lined up out wide and we're going to say, oh, tight end screen pass, and it's silly stuff like that. But just letting them be involved, letting them be options, yeah. putting them in position as the check down guy in the flat, putting them in position as the tight end running the drag underneath, things like that. They helped the passing attack. Those were good improvements made to this passing attack. Okay? The Dante Sanders play sucked. It was just, I, I, I don't get it. Like, that, it kind of makes me want to puke. But running backs and tight ends were more involved schematically, whether or not they got targeted. They were more involved schematically. And that is a good thing for the Florida Gators, especially as they continue to add wide receiver talent, because then you're really going to have to guard everybody. If you're a defense. So for Florida, you've made improvements. Continue to do so. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. And Hayden Hansen's back tomorrow, baby. So we're, we're linking that back up again. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. And I'll see you all tomorrow.